Hello, I'm Ren Ferguson. I'm one of the ministers here at the Collinsville Troy Church of Christ, and I'm so glad that you have come back today. And today we're going to be getting into 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, of course, we're not going to be able to finish this entire chapter. In fact, I, I think it's going to take us probably uh, two or, or three, maybe even more sessions to get through it. It's, it's one of the longer chapters that we have looked at uh, so far. Uh, but again, we'll we'll just get through what we can and and study the rest later. But as he says in verse 1, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man to not have sexual relations with a woman. Now as we talked about at the introduction, which I know has been a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of the reasons why Paul wrote this letter, I guess I should say one of the reasons why God inspired Paul to write this letter, was because of some questions that the Corinthians had and wrote a letter to him about. And so he's going to be discussing some of those questions and things uh, within this chapter. Uh, but as he says there in verse 1, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now he goes into more detail as he says there in verse 2, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Now he goes on to clarify what he meant there in verse 1, that it was good to not have sexual relations. Really, I guess I should go ahead and mention this. This whole chapter is written in the context of verse 26. If you look at that verse, he says, I think in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Because there are some people who will use this passage to try to contradict what we see in Genesis chapter 2. Because in Genesis chapter 2, it talks about how wonderful marriage is. Of course, Adam there, after Eve had been created, he says uh, that man should leave his, his family and, and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh talking about how wonderful that marriage relationship is. But now in this chapter, at least later on, Paul is going to say that they shouldn't marry, just as he addresses there in verse 1. And so people will say, okay, well, which is it? Does God approve of marriage? Does God like marriage? Or does God hate marriage? And again, the context of this chapter is because of the present distress, some sort of issue, some sort of persecution that the church at Corinth was either facing or about to be facing, whatever the case may be, it would be better for them to not be married. But as Paul is describing here in verse 2, because of the, tempta the temptation to sin, which he addressed at the end of chapter 6, it would be better to go ahead and marry. If someone cannot control themselves, again, in the context of this, if those in Cor Corinth were not able to control themselves, then to go ahead and marry. It was ill-advised by Paul and, of course, by inspiration because of the, sit the current situation that the church at Corinth was facing. But to go ahead, if it's going to prevent you from sin, to go ahead and marry. And I think that that principle is, is true for us today. If it's going to prevent us from sinning, then to marry. And as he says there in the following verses, he talks about the the responsibilities that men and women have within the marriage relationship. As he says there in verse 3, the husband 
uh, should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And in verse 5, he says something very important. He says, do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I don't know if you've ever really watched sitcoms or anything like that, but one of the running bits that I have seen in many shows, and I understand it's just a joke, it's not real, the people, the characters, the actors, they're not actually married, whatever it may be, but it still demonstrates this mindset. Uh, perhaps within the particular sitcom, there's a man and a woman, and and perhaps the wife has asked the husband to do a certain chore or task around the house, but the husband does it, and he blows it off, and he goes, and he plays golf or does whatever. And when the wife finds out about it, she's angry, and she makes a little jab at him, and, and she basically says that you're not getting anything, that we're not going to have this type of relationship with one another because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Paul is saying that's not the mindset that we need to have at all. That is not at all what we need to do. He says, do not deprive one another. And he says to do this at the end of verse 5, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Because if we, at least in the marriage relationship, if I deprive my wife or she deprives me, it could escalate to the point where one or the other seeks that from some other source. And that leads us into sin. Now, of course, we're all responsible for our own actions. But we are also to help one another as much as we possibly can. And this is certainly one of those ways. So Paul here, yes, talking about the present distress, it would be better for them not to marry. But if it's going to prevent you from sin, then to go ahead and marry. And in verse 6, he says, Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as myself am, but each has his own gift from God one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single even as I am. Again, going back because of the present distress. He's not saying this for all, all people in all situations in all times. Again, because of the present distress. But as he says again in verse 9, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So he's talking to those who have yet to marry in this particular condition, saying it would be better for you not to marry. He, of course, does give that advice and command from God in those, those passages there for those who already are married. But again, primarily addressing those who are unmarried, that because of the persecution they were facing, the trials that they were facing, it would be better for them not to, to marry. And in verse 10, this is really where he starts, and we got a couple minutes left, this is really where he starts addressing another question that they had. And of course, we don't have a particular record of this, but we can kind of get an idea of what the question was based on the context and the following verses. Uh, the Corinthians were wondering, to those who were already married, as he says there in verse 2, they were wondering that if, if they had an unbelieving spouse, if they needed to divorce that spouse 
so as to be pure and righteous before God. And so he, he goes into that and gets into more detail. We'll go ahead and notice some of it, at least today. He says, To the married, I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. What he's saying there is pretty clear. No, don't divorce. If, a, if a, a person is married and eventually they obey the gospel, they should not divorce their spouse because they have now obeyed the gospel and their spouse is an unbeliever. As he says, the wife should not separate. And even if they do, she only has two options, or he, depending on the situation, either remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. Christ talks about in Matthew chapter 19, the single exception uh, for someone to divorce and get remarried. Of course, we understand that death is, is another reason for this, but that's not getting divorced and remarried. Getting divorced and remarried, the only exception, as Paul or as Christ talks about in uh, Matthew 19, is fornication. And as Paul is discussing this, you'll notice how he upholds that one exception. He never mentions it specifically, but everything that Paul teaches here in the following verses does not contradict what Christ laid out in Matthew chapter 19. And so what he's saying here in verses 10 and 11 especially is if they are married, uh, first of all, to not separate, but if, it, if you do, to either remain unmarried, because if you were to get remarried, that would contradict the law of Christ there in Matthew 19 and would then put you in sin. Or, and this is really the main goal, be reconciled back to your former spouse. And so Paul, dealing with these questions here in this chapter that the Corinthians had set forth about marriage and the marriage relationship and if they needed to marry or, or if they needed to divorce their spouse, whatever it may be. And he continues to talk about that and we'll look at that more in verses 12 through 16 tomorrow. Uh, but I thank you so much for your time and for your attention. I hope that you'll come back tomorrow as we'll continue this discussion.